Hey everybody, Dan here, just popping on. Excited to announce that we have merchandise up for pre-order right now. We have our Gatekeep Harder Pocket Tee. The link is below in the description. You know that Gatekeep Harder has just been kind of a nice little slogan, a mantra, a little bit of cheeky fun that we love to have on here. And uh, yeah, we got it coming out on beautiful navy blue comfort colors with some cream, silk screened ink. We talk a lot about merch on this podcast, and uh, we didn't want to put out anything that was uh, shitty. So, only the best. Link below in the description. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you're going to get yourself a nice little 10% discount code right there. That's half the price off of what it costs to be a monthly subscriber on Patreon. Don't sleep on it. It's a fucking sick shirt. Enjoy episode 100. Run into the ground. We're back. Another week. Another great guest. We got full-time podcaster, part-time musician, Patrick Kindlin on the pod. Episode 100. We got it. (laughs) What's up, Pat? Uh, Thank you for having me, fellas. Uh, I'm glad that you've graduated to soundboard territory. Oh, we've we've Uh, been soundboard. Unfortunately, it's been here since the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, much much to the detriment of this podcast and its quality, we've gone soundboard. So my my goal, I'm now aged and I don't understand anything and I can't even, I'm like somebody's parents. It's going to be a matter of time before I'm asking how to set up a VCR or whatever, but the <laughs> the uh, the goal is to just hire a 22 year old to just set my shit up. You know what I mean? To just, yeah, the to dream. just make make my podcasting life viable because oh yeah, obviously it, it, cameras are now the thing. Everybody's on YouTube. Nobody's on, mm-hmm. it, which is a crazy. Adv- Sorry for anybody that doesn't give a shit about podcasting. We're going to talk about this for two minutes. Um, <laughs> we can talk about it for 90 minutes. It's all good. So, so, uh, podcasting was super hot and now everything has to be on YouTube. Despite the fact that YouTube degenerates by the day, it's just a worse mm. and worse platform by the, uh, by the hour. Probably. Oh yeah. And <clears throat> for whatever reason, you you have to be on it now. Uh, your your view your or your listens are eroding because people would prefer to listen to you on the most compressed audio format that they can find. Yeah, so I I don't understand it. I was listening to you guys talk about that on the recent uh, worst possible timeline, and I yeah I think I might just be just accept being washed. I think is uh, is how you got to go about that because I I truly don't understand the the YouTube craze. In terms of like watching people talk is more compelling than listening to people talk. I don't know. I mean, it's so bizarre that it's so bizarre that people convince themselves that they're not going to be doing something else while they listen to a podcast. They most yeah, certainly that, are. That is the greatest, <laughs> I think, positive of a podcast is the fact that you do yes. it while doing other things. Like that's yes. the, the whole point for me. <laughs> we, we, we've made radio into television and there's no it's stupid. 
Yeah, I think uh, I, th I think it's one of those things where yeah, I guess it, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> it's, it's that it's the you know video killed the radio star thing kind of happening all over again, just on different platforms. And, and, and it, it it ignores the fact that many of us were operating in an audio format because we that our appearance uh, uh, demands it. You know what exactly. I mean? I, you know, I didn't want to say it. I I feel like if we did a uh, if we did a video podcast, there'd be too many people going. Oh, you know, the one with the twins, the guys who were twins, <laughs> the fucking idiots. I keep telling Dan, I, I, he needs to get since he's technically a small business owner, he needs to just hire us an intern who can like edit the episode. Not that there's editing, but like you know, I don't think you understand how content. like interns work. Really? I mean, I guess they're... Oh, I, I was it, I was, uh, I was abused for my free labor for, for many years see, in college. I refused to, I to intern it. anywhere. I, I knew a lot of people out of school who went on to then intern uh, for, like, photo studios and stuff. And, yeah, they're probably a lot further along in their careers than I am right now, but I never fucking worked for anybody for free, that's for sure. And that's why <laughs> I saw Ghost multiple times and you didn't, so... <laughs> who, who's the real winner wait, here? Wait, Ghost the band? Yeah, not Ghost the Movie. <laughs> I've Wait, seen what? Ghost the Movie many times. <laughs> yeah, sure. Wait, so the, you're you're chalking up your love of the band Ghost because you got to see them live? Uh, you're making a lot of assumptions right now based on <laughs> listen, minimal evidence. Listen, the real ones who've listened to this podcast that know that you, you've expressed your affinity for Ghost before on this podcast. I like that one I record. think you love you the combination what? of theatrics and metal and thought they were you know born to born to coexist right it's why i like baby metal it, it covers my love for metal and porn hey listen it is a both those bands are bands that are meant to be seen and not heard technically in the it's sense that it's more stage show but so we're we're all we're just proving the point that youtube is the future right now <laughs> uh but also so the thing is um about doing the live podcast and i know patrick you are kind of have that same issue is i live in new jersey andrew lives in maryland you're currently in oslo norway at the moment I am, yeah. uh so like doing this in person in the studio is it really i feel limits the type of guests you can have the people you can have on uh i don't know because also like if we could we we record these zoom videos we don't you know we don't um put them out but that would be like the video. It would just be uh, this window we're all looking at right now. Yeah, but you could spice that up. I mean, you could have some tacky LED lights behind you Ooh, that are that, that blue or something. Slowly pulse different colors. Yeah, yeah. slowly pulsing. <laughs> you could you could have a uh, a six thousand uh, dollar PC that has lights coming off of it, it like <laughs> with the clear side yeah, my, and my shit. Alienware PC. Yeah, you could do all that. I, uh, uh, you know, uh, I think that the the move is probably costumes, and <laughs> just and like Ghost, you, it, 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 yeah, Andrew could be the the metal pope of podcasting. <laughs> well, here's here's the thing: if you think about it, if you wanted to invest in yourself, uh, I forget what the outfit is, but uh, it, it, all right, everybody, we're gonna we're gonna ruin the podcast now. You know how. <laughs> Okay, if I was to say to you Americans dress a certain way, that's uh -huh. broadly true, but of course there's major differences by region, right? They're dressed like, like Andrew's dressed right now with a Hawaiian shirt, it seems like. 
Well, yeah, that's that's uh, for guys this that wear shorts. Called... That's for guys that wear shorts every day of their lives and book bags. <laughs> but Andrew's, Andrew's, is, Andrew's, I was going to say this is a this is a this is hardcore 2002 wear right here. You're you're a boogaloo boy. Where were you on uh, <laughs> on January sixth? <laughs> I'm storming the Capitol like all of our patriots. Yeah, like a real like a patriot would. So, uh, well, here's how I'm going to ruin it. There's, you know, like a. Uh, a cholo in uh, East LA is obviously an American uh, as much as uh, a tractor driving fucking hick from uh, out 70 miles outside Minneapolis. So you can't say that Americans dress as uh, like it, it would be a very it's a big umbrella, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but it's it's generally lower attire that has two legs, right? Whether they're shorts or pants, mm-hmm. but they have two legs uh a shirt that is either button up or or pull over and these are and within that you've got a million variations mm-hmm. in the same way when i say arab dudes dress a certain way there's a lot of variation under that umbrella but there's when i say arab dudes this is all to the costume of uh, point I have on my bookmarks on you can through Amazon you could dress like a dude from United Arab Emirates for forty dollars, and I'm I'm waiting to push buy on it. It's it's got the how do you fuck you say this? Uh, sorry, the tunic. Uh, what's that? There's like a tunic, right? That's the thing. This is one. I'm looking. So, I'm gonna so, look it up right now. So there's Arab dudes that dress kind of like Will Smith. <laughs> and and I've been. That's what I'm trying to buy. It's like this. It's it's white. It's not starched, but it's it's like linen sort of shit. It's it's nice. Anyway, you got that, and you got. You know what? I'll find guys. I'll bring up my fucking. Oh, Amazon. I know exactly what you're talking about. You got the kind of the 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 head scarf thing, the, uh, the the rope Abaya? that kind of keeps it on your head. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah. Abaya is that what it's called? I've seen Bugs Bunny cartoons of the uh, you know the 1950s. Abaya, that might be right. Let's take a look. Hold on. Anyway, to to your Arab listeners who are currently yelling at the fucking uh, <laughs> podcast, they're yelling at the radio. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. We had a. I used to. I very for a short time uh, worked at a tattoo shop in Atlantic City, and we made one of the. Um, one of the uh what are they called guys who can't tattoo yet apprentices Uh, Apprentices. we made one of the apprentices wear one of these like traditional arab outfits out front to uh hold a sign for tattoos and he almost (laughs) got the shit beat out of him so (laughs) so it was my favorite memory this this is actually an interesting thing i was i was thinking about i was i was just on vacation and uh it was jeep invasion week in wildwood new jersey and uh, mm. you've never seen mm. so many gaudy jeeps flying all the different types of thin, thin color line flags on the back. Oh yeah. Um, but I was like, you know, the the American dream, the American uh, project, I think is is kind of coming to a bit of a close. And uh, you know, seeing all these other emerging markets, I was like, should we move to China just to like get ahead of the curve? I, like, I would should- say, I would say India. I think you have to okay. deal with. I think you have to deal with less. The growth is still there, but you, I think there's mm-hmm. fewer barriers to entry. My other, my other uh, kind of backup plan is is just like working for Saudi Aramco, 
Sure. Because they have, like, neighborhoods in the desert that are made to look like American suburbs so their expatriates can feel comfortable. <laughs> sure. That sounds nice. Yeah. It sounds like a good backup plan, you know? I, you know, uh, you, you can probably still wear cargo shorts and a, and a, a Hawaiian shirt. I, I'm slowly radicalizing my girlfriend. And, okay. uh, it's about time, honestly. Well, she is... Uh, she's Australian, and... Uh, we both love Australia. I think that it's a, a very uh, physically beautiful place. And I think the people have a... Uh, I don't know how to describe it. The, uh, if you if you dive deep on, on uh, kind of Australian identity... Now everybody listening, <clears throat> currently screaming at their podcast uh, delivery system, Spotify or whatever else. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm very aware that uh, Australia has a uh, uh, brutal and ugly history with its uh, indigenous peoples. I'm talking about uh, Australian identity as it is today. Thank you. Uh, so uh, uh, the if you look into Australian identity, it's a fascinating... It's a fascinating thing because uh, in principle it's modeled after England, but it's, it's really not because it's, it's much closer to a, a flat flat class system than England, which is obsessed with class, a thing that defines Australia is much less preoccupation uh, with that. I I think even less so than the United States. So uh, everybody there, I mean, they've got poverty, of course, but it's it's much closer to chilling. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's much closer. But she and I both really love Australia. Uh, but uh, they they treat you like a baby there, and uh, we're not we're not a hundred percent on board for being treated like a baby. Uh, <laughs> Expand so, on that. I'm curious. Well, for example, uh, we live in Western Australia, which in in some respects is like Texas because it's uh, t- Texas has a, a schizophrenic identity in the respect that it is uh, obsessed with freedoms, but also loves law enforcement, right? That's, yeah, so, that's a good point. Uh, Western Australia is uh, kind of uh, a bit more. It has a it has more of a pioneer vibe. Than it's fairly isolated of, out there, right? It well, it would be Perth would be akin to uh, San-Diego being the only city on a coast. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so, that is so, that's bizarre. Yeah, so it's it's technically highly isolated. But only if you're looking at it through a certain lens, because I could get to Malaysia in in a couple hours, and you know it's it. it but it it feels very small town. It feels isolated. But yeah. Malaysia adjacent uh, is a pretty important thing for a city, though. I feel in terms of tourism. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> it's like people who are like, yeah, I live in Bushwick, but I can can commute to Manhattan in you know about thirty minutes. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I can get to Malaysia always, in a couple hours. You know. I always got mad at people in Albany who would defend Albany by saying it's within two hours of these other good places, and I would say that's that's really not a selling point that you're yeah. You're but not we got Northern Lights. Why would you need to go anywhere else? Right. Well, good. no longer Northern Lights. Um, uh oh. Uh, Upstate Concert Hall is now the spot. But Mm-mm. anyway, the uh, or maybe it's different now. I think it's different now. Anyway, the uh, point is, I. They treat you like a baby, for example, 
they had my girl and I were apart for two years because uh, COVID lockdowns. Uh, Western Australia had one of the most intense COVID lockdowns, and in, in, certainly in what we would call uh, the free world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Turkmenistan had a more intense lockdown, but you know, <laughs> um, so uh, the peop- and most of the people I talked to in Perth. They completely enjoyed their lives during that time. You know, they they had all the uh, kind of privileges of citizenship that you would hope for. They got to go to concerts or or, or whatever. It, life kind of there was no ins and outs. So mm-hmm. without anybody, any, without any way to to carry the virus in, they were just you know they were out in the street doing their thing, right? And most people preferred that over the alternative of like say in Melbourne where they. We're allowed to leave their house for an hour a day oh, to, yeah. walk the, to walk the dog. So, anyway, but you know, uh, no matter how well intentioned uh, or effective uh, that policy was, it's not going to work for my girl and I who were apart for two years. You know, what I mean, yeah, at some point, brutal. at at some point, it's kind of like, yo, fuck your safety. I don't give a fuck about your fucking safety. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, so and. Likewise, uh, we have a we have a neighbor who ha- who's kind of in a domestic thing where an ex ex boyfriend is stalking her and uh, escalating, right? And uh, it just as you if you call police in the United States and you say, "Hey, my ex is trying to kill me," they'll probably tell you the same thing that that uh, they tell you in Australia, which is, uh, "Sorry, we we can't do anything, right? Yeah, yeah we don't until care until they you're physically dead. do something." We right. can't do anything. <laughs> now, we know they're outside your house staring at you, but uh, we can't do anything. And look, uh, there's a lot of reasons for that, uh, and not all of them are good, right? So, I mean, it's mostly paperwork, right? I wouldn't want to get involved in paperwork. That's true. I try <laughs> yeah. to avoid paperwork <laughs> that's, at all that's, costs. That's the big hurdle. Like, come on. So, so, anyway. Look at it from their perspective, Pat. Come on. Well, I think, I think their perspective is, uh, unfortunately, you know, we show up at a lot of these things, and then the woman tells us to get the fuck out. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, and mm-hmm. uh, after a time, like, look, this is not me shooting bail to the cops. I, I got all the criticisms anybody does. I'm just saying, coming from a, a place of trying to understand human behavior, uh, people burn out. You know what I mean? They just burn out on, uh, on, on whatever the shit is. So you got a lot of cops that are burnt out and just don't want to hear the shit. So at any rate, this is all to arrive at the fact that my girlfriend who never held a gun in her life is not interested in a gun. I now, ha- I now am slowly making inroads to convincing her that you don't want to, you don't want a gun. I don't want a gun. You also don't want to die from lack of a gun. You know what I mean? <laughs> call lack and challenge, you know? Yeah. And, and that's really the, that's re- I think that's the most interesting part of the gun conversation, which is, People can hit you with all the statistics in the world about how owning a gun is actually more dangerous for you, about how it's highly unlikely that if you're in a uh, self-defense situation that you personally are going to be able to defend yourself using a gun. Uh, All the statistics, you can lay them out. And you can get somebody to nod their head along with them. But then if you say to them, yeah, but somebody's breaking into your home, do you want a gun or no? Yeah, you know what I mean, everybody says, you know what? I'll take the gun. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, and this yeah, is all to say that my girlfriend and I occasionally go online 
and try to find emerging democracies uh, in, <laughs> in, in the world that would kind of afford us um afford us uh you know like look i have a um i would say unhealthy romanticize it romanticize i ro- unhealthily romanticize uh kind of pioneer life you know yeah I think say, what are the 21st century homesteading opportunities out there right now you know I mean, they're few and far between because uh, our idea of emerging democracies. Here's the thing that I think is interesting about the United States, if we're going to look at its history, is uh, you had uh, machines, right? You had political machines. Chicago, Albany. Uh, you, you had these places, New York. You had these places that um, they were criminal because uh, they were essentially a. a uh, a manufactured one-party rule, typically with a long-standing um, politician uh, at the head of it who uh, had no problem uh, engaging in semi-legal activity to uh, continue the uh, the party rule in that in in that city, right? <clears throat> and you could you could call that an ugly form of criminality. Certainly, if you were uh, of a different uh, a political party, there's no other way to see it. But it's not quite as not quite as crooked or dangerous and crooked as some of the places that I'm looking up in the world <laughs> that are technically democratic and would vaguely meet my definition of an emerging democracy someplace where perhaps uh I could convince my girlfriend uh to start a life but they are uh they're still in that space where uh, they're very, very vulnerable to corruption, to uh, to, to political corruption, to government. Well, corruption. you've so, uh, you've spent some time in places like that, right? Didn't you go to Cambodia for a while? Yeah. So, so uh, Cambodia, I would say, at least is stable, right? Like it, it, mm-hmm. it's uh, it it has its problems, uh, and culturally, you could say that it has um, kind of long-standing values that 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 maybe make it vulnerable, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not going to teeter into any, it's not going to teeter into warlordism anytime soon. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to be Coney 2012. Not with that and, uh, attitude, and, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> but but there are places in the world that are kind of a uh, you know they're kind of on a knife's edge, uh, and you know. Uh, but there's not many to, to your point the, the, uh, where is uh, the pioneer spirit go in in uh, 2023 i don't know if i don't know if there really is a, a place um it, it's uh, uh you know maybe i don't have the vision you know but, 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 but <laughs> you need to see the big picture on on the possibilities yeah, uh, but, I, I got I got obsessed with the idea of buying property in like Mediterranean Africa. Mm, sure. Like I thought, you know, what's the what, where can I get a lifestyle that would be? You know, I, I don't even need the culture. We, we I can look do at the culture via the internet. Ma- we look at spots in Marrakesh all the time. Yeah, we should I, uh, like. I don't. <laughs> I don't need local culture. I just need. I need the internet, and I want. I want. Peace and solitude well, and happiness. I just hit add unfettered. To, I hit add to cart on the Amazon order, so I hell I, yeah. I would at least finally. I would at least blend in. Let's you know try I mean? to get you to hit uh, hit order by the end of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's 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 very. Um, 
I was like, what do I have to Venmo you right now for you just to, just to buy that? <laughs> well, and yeah, well, we, we could start. You know how, like, when the crypto boom happened and all those, like, weird idiots, uh, like, the, the real crypto lifestyle guys, like, all of a sudden started building little crypto haven um, resorts together? Yeah, <laughs> they were all just, like... Living in a in a in a, a cabana on top of a the you know some crystal blue water somewhere. Where can we make like a podcast? You know, a podcasters haven. Yeah, that's the new Chaz. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> we just need one good enterprise internet connection, and everything else is gravy. I would uh, I would like to build one of those crypto uh, like libertarian enclaves, except uh, <laughs> uh, instead instead I lost eighteen thousand dollars. So. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, I, I, I try to get Dan to talk about his losses all the time. I, he, I don't have any losses. I got an early baby. I, I'm I, saying I took out all my real money and I'm riding on profits right now. So it's beautiful. But um, but <laughs> I actually so you, you mentioned uh, your girlfriend. I I did, uh, <laughs> and you're to blame for this because you're the first person I saw this from. You talked about how her son has introduced you to new. I guess Gen Alpha is the new, the yeah. next, you know, after Gen Z. The, they're like anti-memes. Yeah. And uh, through, I believe it was your Twitter, um, introduced me to Skibbity Toilet. And uh, oh, yeah. my life has not been the same since. Uh, are you following the lore? Because there's, there's a lot of Skibbity Toilet lore. <laughs> I was I was on vacation and I laid in bed and watched a 24-minute episode 1 through 48 of Skibbity Toilet. Oh, wow. So I'm, okay, I'm mostly yeah. caught up on... On the adventures of Skibbity Toilet and the cameramen and the so speaker heads. Who, here's a question because, Sonny, <laughs> that's that's my stepson. He he uh, he tells me the cameramen are the good guys, and I tell him they can't be the good guys. They represent the security state. You know what I mean? Like the, 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 <laughs> they are. The, yeah, they're the uh, they're the surveillance, literally. And, and but he says that the Skibbity Toilets are 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 like a real menace so they're invasive yes so is the is this like warhammer where there's no good guy (laughs) you know i think we just have to keep watching to find out okay but it's uh yeah no i what's it's for people who don't know about skippity toilet i think you should look it up immediately right here please tell me what the fuck you two are talking about it's it's very funny it's part of like gary's mod which was like a what? Vaguely Counter Strike engine pre Minecraft kind of thing. Like it's a crafting game, and um, but there's been memes, and that's what's so funny. I, I watched someone break down the Skibbity Toilet meme, and they said that like every generation has had like a Gary's Mod meme. It's just this prolific thing that's existed through inter- like computer culture for thirty years now, and um. This just continues on, but apparently, Skibbity Toilet, over the last three months, has generated something like 62 billion combined views. Oh, yeah. And anyone who makes a video deconstructing Skibbity Toilet or, uh, you know, discussing the lore of it, like, immediately gets a million views. It's like the get-rich-quick scheme of of YouTube right now. And uh, I don't think there's been exponential meme growth like this one has. It's it's truly a cultural uh, phenom at the moment. Yeah, th- this makes that boy look like uh, <laughs> uh, you know look look, look like regional uh, folklore. 
but yeah, so you were you were a little bit on the cutting edge of that. So you know, I think next uh, maybe next self defense project needs to be skibbity toilet adjacent. It already is. <laughs> You're already already collabing in the studio with with skibbity toilet. No, we're <clears throat> I'm such like a dated fossil of a man that I I, uh, I I my plan for our record was to release it in segments. Uh, do you remember uh, "You're the Man Now, Dog"? Oh yeah, Big sure. Time. To, to to release it in in th- those <laughs> whatever that is, second like, looping yes. audio loops yes. with with a with a bad GIF of like a of a like a pixel guy riding away on a bicycle. You know, yeah, something something deeply fried. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, we should we should talk a little bit about music because you have no shortage of musical projects going on. Um, what what actually I'm, brings you to uh, Norway at the moment? My, I have a friend who's in Oslo right now, and she says that the sun is fucked up at the moment, in the well, term it, that it it stays daylight until like ten thirty at night. That's right. <laughs> um, everybody except for me is sleeping till noon. You know, because uh, they're not going to bed. It it doesn't really even get dark at midnight. It's it's technically night, but you don't feel. That's Very wild. Dark. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I'm in Oslo because uh, we had three festivals that we were going to play. And our choice was to go from Lithuania to Oslo uh, over the course of five days or to uh, chill in an Airbnb in Oslo for five days. And uh, I, w- normally we are a you know, the classic, if you're not playing, you're paying sort of mentality. We uh-huh. rarely, we rarely take days off, but, uh, we looked at the, we looked at the hassle of trying to get a driver. We would have to get a Polish driver to go from Lithuania, uh, or from Poland to Lithuania to then drive us, uh, and we'd still probably actually have to take a flight. We just looked at it and we said, fuck this. Yeah. And, and uh, so we played a festival in Lithuania uh, called Devil Stone. I urge you to look that one up. And <laughs> okay. uh, it like I was told, I said, I said to our driver, I said, "Yeah, it's. Uh, do you think anybody will like us? It seems very metal oriented." Yeah. And he said, "Oh yes, it's it's less metal every year." And I said, "Yeah, that's typically how that goes." Uh, do the metalheads still come out? He goes. Some metalheads hate it. Because, and I said, hate it, huh? That's a very metalhead thing to do. Oh, yeah. And, and they said, he said, uh, yeah, because there's less metal every year that uh, the, some metalheads are, are very angry. And I, all I could think, you know when somebody tells you their, their local politics and you, you go, <laughs> you know, I mean, you just get, you yeah. laugh. You go, yeah, yeah. Because when you're in the middle of something, everything seems big. And then oh, when absolutely, you see, yeah. When you see other people's shit, you go, "Come on, man!" You know what I mean? Like, who the fuck cares? Uh, after uh, after just spending uh, like four days with my parents, you mm-hmm. really start to pick up on that stuff, and they're just like talking about, like, "Oh my god, did you know that the neighbor like they went to put an offer in on the house and they were outbid?" And it's like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah." You, this, why say, is this news? <laughs> did you say tec- technically not a story, yeah. mom? <laughs> uh, I'm wa- hold on. I'm watching Andrew's face as he watches Skibbity Toilet. No, no, no. I'm reading. I'm reading about the uh, the Devilstone Open Air Festival controversy I involving a Lithuanian association of exorcists. Yeah, 
So this is so some sh- insane shit. Yeah. So I should say that it was a beautiful festival. It's okay. like it, it it's went well. In the f- it's in the forest. No, it went terrible, but it's in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's in the forest, and it's it's just gorgeous. The people are very very kind. Uh, it went it went terrible for me because. Uh, my voice has failed in every respect. Like, there's no, there's nothing vocally that I don't know uh, in this life, except hitting notes effectively. I don't know much about that, but uh, but <laughs> I, I, there's no sort of critical failure that I haven't experienced, uh, and this was by far the worst. Like from from the first song, maybe the first verse, my voice just said. What are you doing? Nope. No, no. Why, why would you? Why would you try? To, why would you try to sing? You fucking stupid. And and, uh, and it was brutal. I I felt like I was really subjecting people to something unfortunate. Now, uh, luckily for me and maybe the audience, I uh, I still love interpretive dance. You know what I mean? So so as, someone's as gonna carry was, on the art form. Yeah. So as soon as there was an opera, you know, when my voice fails, I just go well. And we're gonna tell it through body language, <laughs> just <laughs> just like the Ashley Simpson SNL performance. That's right. Just get in the hoedown mode. It's the safe default. That's right. Go to town. So, uh, sincere shout out to Devilstone. I I don't know if they'd have us back after what I did to them, but uh, it, it, it was uh, it was like it was the type of festival where like you're waiting to turn a corner and find women on hooks and shit. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at the. You I'm looking suspension? at the actual Devil Stone right now. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, and uh, I, I can tell a, you the story of the Devil Stone if you'd like. A local. I told think me. there's human hair wrapped around it, if I'm not mistaken. Ooh. So okay, so there's this oh, large rope. stone in Lithuania. I don't know how large it is. It, it was explained to me that it's about as large a stone as you get in Lithuania, because it's not. <laughs> it's not a particularly mountainous place, but. Uh, the folklore on the devil stone is the devil showed up with this stone to throw it and crush a church in this area, right? This beautiful wooden church and the devil's like, fuck you motherfucker. I'm going to destroy this. And then the devil, this, this uh, rooster starts cock a doo doing right. <laughs> and, and the, the devil says, shut the fuck up. And the, the, the rooster goes, you know, like all that shit. And then, uh, the devil loses his composure and throws the stone at the rooster and then can't get it can't pick it back up to throw it at the church so the church is saved by that rooster huh. it's a little something for the two of you you know what I mean if you want to, <laughs> well, which is which is why there's so many like religious uh blowback about this thing yeah well and and now you're in oslo the uh the land of church destruction. Is that Sweden or Norway? I don't listen. I'm going to be I, honest with you. Uh, black metal is the least appealing thing. I'd rather I would probably rather be listening to like the tackiest European fucking electronic music than, <laughs> than black metal. I, I, uh, Dan loves it. You love it, I'm right? Not, I'm not that big of a black like true black metal. Not not for me. The lore is fun. It was like a black. We had Norman Brandon on, and he is like a studied philosopher of like black metal history which is really fascinating uh but yeah it's i feel like people care more about the lore than they do about the music because i can't imagine caring that much about the music because it's bad well some it sounds of it like is... white noise yeah 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 
there was one of the that I went down. Um, hold on, let's see. Uh, I forget the fucking. There was a band that I actually. I could I could listen to a couple tracks and then, uh, but it just it didn't. Black metal is just one of those things where, you know, like noise or grind, it, it's uh, it's more about doing something to the audience than enjoying it. You know, and, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> I I respect that because I can see myself slowly losing my mind and just becoming a noise guy. You know, yeah, not, not, well, we we actually talked about that on a on the Patreon episode recently. We talked about the Blood Brothers and just kind of the idea behind the appeal of music that has like a barrier of entry, yep. or the appeal of music that is unappealing to other people. Like part of it is just like you're. It, it's kind of like being in on a joke a little bit, you know. And yeah, I, mean, I feel like I feel like a lot of music has that that's the reason of the appeal is the fact sure, that like, it's like hard for other people to understand and you get to grind, take like a fun grind porno <laughs> grind and any any of these things i i uh porno I grind remember... is a bizarre wild trip it's it's so crazy i think there, one, I there's a big european grind festival that's all like porno grind bands and it's like such a weird combination of things it, here's I, i've been banging on about this for a long time uh, on uh, my one podcast, it, it, it I miss I miss uh, newsletter weirdo. Okay. <clears throat> what I mean by that is, uh, prior to the internet, y- you could and actually early days of the internet, for, really first twenty years of the fucking internet, you could be uh, a rather anonymous person, mm-hmm. and. Uh, there there was so you would hold a regular job you know whatever you worked in the city comptroller's office uh you you pushed paper uh maybe you maybe you worked at a fucking local university in the office right and uh you you were normal to everybody that knew, maybe they thought you were a little odd but they, but but they didn't know that you had a newsletter where you just talked about porno grind the whole yeah. fucking time. And, <laughs> well, that, and, I, <laughs> yeah, and, and you sent that newsletter out by mail, you know? Yeah. Well, to a, to a much harsher degree, a great example, uh, they recently just caught the Gilgo Beach killer. Yeah, yeah an innovator and, of porno grind, really. <laughs> the true pioneer of porno grind. Uh, but yeah, he, he was like a Manhattan architect. You know, you know. And he- I hold on. I'm I'm hearing conflicting. I'm hearing conflicting stories. I architect was the original story, and I was and like every other idiot, I went interesting. And then, <laughs> and then yesterday, I heard contractor, and I said, oh, obviously. You know <laughs> oh, I mean? if it's a contractor, that's way more, way more on the nose. That that right, should have been it, a dead it, giveaway, but it's so much less. I mean, look. No disrespect to our contractors and our audience, uh, but you're just much more likely to leave women's remains on a beach. Like this, it's, it just is what it is. So, I, I, uh, I yeah, I, I was when I heard architect, everybody's thinking like, ooh, Patrick Bateman, sort of. You know, he's a professional. He wears a yeah, suit. Yeah, yeah you know? exactly. And then we find out he's a contractor with a drinking problem, and we're like, oh. oh. Yeah. Yeah, it was just it was just a fucking matter of time then. 
Oh, man. It's like finding out a serial killer's a cop. You're like, oh. Uh, yeah. They had all the sure, tools. It's, it's in the resume. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but yeah, it's... Uh, so, I, I had some questions, because, I mean, uh, I think an interesting thing about you, Patrick, is you've kind of developed, like, a cult of personality in terms of... I mean, uh, personally, I'm someone who's, like, followed, like, your old podcasts, and did, you had the one... Um, was it was it called Basic Skills? Well, I don't maybe. What, I don't, what was I've the had one like you had five. where you 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 watched two TV series concurrently and compared? Oh, 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 no, complete, complete. Oh. What the fuck is wrong yeah, so, with you? Uh, I, but yeah, I, I would what say I'm saying is you're you're a, you're a veteran of the craft, I guess I should say. Yeah, the, the Mussolini of uh, of small room <laughs> guitar music. I got yep. a cult of personality around me. <laughs> the Che Guevara. You have a, you got your face on shirts at Urban Outfitters. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, this is my um, uh, my calling, I guess you could say, is to be a uh, a micro celebrity uh, that that toils in poverty, <laughs> and, and, and uh, there's there's obviously a lot of benefits to that lifestyle. Um, among them, uh, people with patchy facial hair tell you you rule. Uh, <laughs> the downsides uh, include uh, people in your business like you wouldn't fucking believe. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Uh, and um, millions of dollars. Yeah. Well, I I think uh, was it was it Chris Tenerowitz on Twitter the other day who said that you invented the hot take in 2007. <laughs> really yeah, well, good tweet. The, the the hardcore Jason guy hot take online sort of thing. Uh, and I don't know if I take I don't know if I want that credit, but I I uh, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I I mean look in the days before the internet or in the day in the early days of name attached internet mm-hmm. like. Everybody is knows you, and they follow you from platform to platform. Uh, there was people that were really borderline celebrities. Like, for example, there's these uh, now women. I think they were probably girls at the time, but now women who people have followed since the first days of Tumblr, and now these these girls are now kind the of the Olsen twins, right? No, no like, <laughs> like. There are, there's these figures. I don't know if they're celebrities, obviously, but like, they're people known have followed, entities. Yeah, people have followed them through every iteration of their public life. And I'm curious who these people are. Oh, look up. Uh, there's like a, what's that? There's like a very hateful. Look up uh, Encyclopedia Dramatica, maybe. Hmm. Tell me if that comes up with anything. What what was that? You cut out a little bit when you said oh, it. Look up Encyclopedia Dramatica. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I Nothing. used to stalk those girls everywhere. Wait, really? No, I... Come on. I don't know how to spell Encyclopedia. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a challenge. I, I, um, so I think that's... Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's the site that... This, this site, like, has all of those... Yeah, of, it, it it chronicled like the early internet memes and people like Chris yeah. Chan has like a you know thirty page sure yes dis- dissertation on it. 
and once that once that end of the internet gets their hook, like once they fixate on you, mm-hmm. I, I was introduced to something called Kiwi Farms. Are you familiar with this? No. Yeah. Kiwi Farms is the it depending on your view, the highest level or the lowest level. I don't know what, how you'd frame it of sort of niche micro celebrity f- abuse fixation. Oh God! So imagine. Oh my God! What, I just found it. Sorry. Yeah. The, the, even the first sentence is like the most fucked up thing I could imagine. Yeah. So, and, and now there might be people on there talking about the three of us and trying to ruin our lives. Because what it is is, imagine if people were talking about somebody that wasn't important to the to, to like, it's so niche, right? But it's people that'll come out of the woodwork somehow to f- to be hateful towards yeah. those. To, the, towards this the, I couldn't wild. believe that. I mean, it makes sense, right? I, I guess I've been on bulletin board systems when I was a kid and shit. And then if there was some like semi-known person in that world they people would gang up and bully this is like the ultimate bullies section but they also seem to love some of these people I, if you want to go down a hole read any of the sam hyde threads oh, where God. where it's quite obviously people who grew up on him kind of were shaped by him but also want to say the most hateful hurtful thing that they can about him and yeah I mean, it, it is a weird kind of fandom where it's kind of like i i feel like that goes comes for a lot of a lot of things especially in music too is that idea of like the fan power dynamic that like but when the fans know that they have a power dynamic and they yeah, can kind so, of be like well we built you up we can also like bring you down kind of kind of like the maddie healy taylor swift things where they're like, we don't think you should date this yeah. person because it's bad for all of our image. And it's like, I, I mean, if I was Taylor Swift, I would I would fire a, a submachine gun into my crowd. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I, I would show up at my shows, and I, I could probably only do it once or twice, but I would definitely <laughs> fire a, 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 a submachine gun into the crowd. And the the, the Here's the thing. Do you think she could radicalize a Swifty to be a suicide bomber? Oh, with no, and, without question, uh, the most powerful army on the planet in terms of yeah, like, <laughs> without question, can we overthrow Erdogan with a Swifty? She could, she could swing. I think that's why. Remember, it was like such a big deal when she like decided to be political. And I don't know. Did you guys, did you guys ever watch the documentary? Uh, yes, like American. Uh, well, Sweet? I saw that clip. And yeah, there's a, there's a clip in the documentary where she is. It's leading up to her making her first political tweet in like 2018, like two years beyond it actually making a big difference. And it's this like giant moment where she's like, oh my God, I just hit send. I just hit send. And it's, and, but it's like, oh, you, you do have, you can sway like millions of people with your opinion. And it's, it's wild. And that, you know, that, that's, that could cause a regime change right there, you know? So the political machine of Taylor uh, Swift. I I could talk for hours about uh, Taylor Swift, um, uh, Haley from Paramore. Uh, I could talk for a long time about people I don't I don't want political opinions from. Yeah. Uh, And I you don't want to deny somebody. Look, I'm like a pro rich person 
I'm a I'm a I'm a wealth simp, right? <laughs> I I uh, I think that uh, earning money is is lit. That's what I think. I think that uh, I don't begrudge anybody that is uh, uh, become wealthy. I try not to hate people that are born wealthy. I I just don't want to be mad at other people's fortune, right? So <clears throat> I try very hard. Uh, and as a result, I come off like a fucking, uh, you know, simpering uh, billionaire syncophat or, or, or syncophat where, where, where I just like I, I'm like people hate Elon Musk, mm-hmm. which makes me then have to jump out and defend Elon Musk, a dude who who looks like a slug and acts like a 4chan <laughs> poster. And, and I, I, I don't want to defend this man, but. I hate resentment politics more than anything. Yeah. I, it my, makes my, my skin with, crawl. My, yeah, my thing with Elon Musk is I, I – the fact that he's like, the quote, unquote, the richest person in the world is like not in the top five reasons why I would hate him. It's just the – he's the cringiest person like ever to exist. Here's it's, the thing, it's, though. It's, it's wild. He's, He's now he, the event horizon on that is he, he he's gone so cringe with such a level of in, intentionality that yeah. I don't begrudge him at all. It's he's like he's like one step away from like a buy, like opening a tiki bar. You know what I mean? Like he just <laughs> does, he 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 he's fully in. He doesn't give a fuck. And yeah. on some level, it's just okay. Yeah, sick. You know what I mean? So, but. This is all to say, I try very hard not to, like, uh, the, the, the girl from Paramore has obviously done very well for herself, and I'm happy for her. And, and the Taylor Swift is phenomenally successful, and I'm, I'm happy for her as well. But uh, it's really difficult to stomach the political opinions of um, people who, in my view, mistakenly believe that they live on the same planet as others. And, yeah. and I, I just, I doesn't mean that they're not entitled to their views. They most certainly are. It just means that what could I possibly take from your perspective? It would almost be like a politician themselves telling me these political views where I, I, I'm I'm sorry. Our interests couldn't possibly align. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's just not. It's it's highly unlikely that that uh, we're gonna find uh, common ground on on really anything because uh, you've been wealthy since you were 19, and I would kill somebody for a thousand dollars. So so that's. It's quite a difference in, in worldview there. Yeah. <laughs> that is so I I do find myself sitting there and watching people who yell on Twitter about what billionaires should do with their money, uh, who are also the people who complain about their freedoms being infringed. And it's just sort of a silly like circle of events to uh to argue about because arguing about it has no effect on reality whatsoever. So yeah, just talking, I'm, talking, I've taken maybe? a firm stance of no opinions online. <laughs> it's just yeah. no, you're never going to look good 
uh, either in the moment or or in the eyes of history later. There's really well, no winning. It, it, here's the thing. I, I uh, when I was much younger, I, I uh, wor- worked in a coffee shop uh, sort of thing restaurant, and there was a kid there who had just gotten out of SVA, and he was so fucking bitter. Actually, he was probably like two years out of SVA. Um, and What's he, SVA? Uh, School of Visual Arts. It's a college in New York, York City. Um, and he was so intensely bitter because obviously he wanted to be a filmmaker and there was uh, it wasn't moving as fast as he had hoped. You know what I mean? Now I, I, I hope he's a famous director somewhere. It seems like I would have heard of him, but whatever. But the he was just so bitter. Uh, and it really made a distinct and lasting impression on me because he looked like a little dick worm. You know what I mean? Where, where, and it's the same thing now, right? Like in, uh, in some of the fields that I operate in, it is an understood that regardless of if you see it as uh, writing a historical wrong, or if you see it as uh, a misplaced tokenism or whatever, there is an effort to diversify certain fields and, White guys quietly all whisper to themselves that they've been locked out of opportunities. And I'm sympathetic because those things do happen, right? Like, like if you've been in certain fields, you have stories where somebody has looked you in the eye and said, I'd like to hire you, but we're not in the white guy business right now, right? Mm. And, and, and so I'm, I'm very sympathetic. but. You can't bitch about that for very long without looking like a little dick worm. You, yeah. you, you know what I mean? And, and it, this is what I'm saying. It's, it's possible to harbor a feeling to, to think a thing and to also recognize that your complaining is feckless bullshit that doesn't empower you on any level. <laughs> and, yeah. And... Yeah, and I, I work in the arts, and I'm sure it's the same for you working in music or working in comics. And we all know people who are just like, well, why not me? Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. why it's does this person get this opportunity when their work isn't as good and mine is better, but my phone's not ringing? Yeah. And, but the, the you know, saying why not me is not proactive in Correct. terms of they probably know someone you don't. Like go out and try to meet someone that they don't know. <laughs> like, I, I, or like, let's reduce it to its it's the ugliest insinuation, right? Like, like let's 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 go th- let's go there. Okay, it's about the color of your skin, bro. You, you, the color of your skin's not changing, so you're gonna have to do something else, right? Like, you're gonna have to circumvent whatever the problem is in your view, and this applies equally to the Hollywood guys that say, uh. You know, to get ahead, you've got to, you've really got to play the producer game of of, of flirting with producers, or or or, or uh, uh, kind of, there's all this conversation about if for people that live in Hollywood, there's there's conversations about kind of like the homosexual mafia, right? Like about how you you kind of have to mm-hmm. you kind of have to play a certain sexualized game regardless of whether you're heterosexual or not. This is this is like what people say, right? And uh, people do the same I, thing I obviously about Andrew Jews, just to get on my right? own podcast, so. It's true. <laughs> so, so, but here's the thing: if you're unwilling or un or unable 
to do the thing that is going to, to, to like, if you, if you can't change the thing, like, then you're going to have to circumvent it in whatever respect. And that's just is what it is. And complaining about it incessantly mm-hmm. just makes you look disempowered and in a way that is unattractive to others. I think this is a thing that's lost on a lot of people. Looking feeble is not hot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just not, it's not sexy to look incapable and frozen. It's, it's just, it, it, put on, put on, del, just be delusional if you have to, but get so, past that. Are you, are you saying I should I take IBS people, survivor out of my Twitter bio? <laughs> yes, I think you should uh, get get on some testosterone and just uh, put a cigar in your mouth and, and uh, uh, join the uh, the Andrew Tate War Room. You know, I was about to make that uh, that connection. Look, I think if there's a room you want to get into bad enough, and they won't let you in the front door, you figure out some way to get in there. That's it. Or you don't want to get in there. That's it. And, you know, get com- complaining about getting turned away by the bouncer, like you know, makes you look less than the bouncer yeah. who, who in turn has the least important job <laughs> in that room. Yeah. So, you know, I get it. The, I uh, think I one it. last thing before we start pivoting over to, um, the record we all came here to talk about today. Uh, <laughs> I, I was curious. So, um, I mean, Patrick, you've had a bunch of music, uh, you know, long running music gigs in the past. I mean, you've, how long self-defense family go, been going on now, I guess in both iterations. Almost twenty years, I, almost. I don't want to. I don't want to think about it. I think probably the first demo was. I don't know. Look, look, look it up. Maybe two. I, I'm going to say twenty two thousand six, but it might be earlier. Let's see. Hold on. Um. Let's see. But you could, uh, you, my, you, my my main question could, is though. Could, once, once drug church started kicking off, like what was kind of going through your head in terms of where to balance your kind of, um, I guess, efforts or time or energy. How, how did that kind of transition or how do you, how do you even balance that out? Cause drug church, I mean, has gone in the last few years, just blown the fuck up. Yeah. It, but I think it makes drug church very nervous that the, they know that I would just choose to do self-defense stuff uh any day um so, so uh like it is uh yeah self defense is probably an anxiety thing for them because uh they see how little money i make on it but how i would just self defense is like a lifetime project you know i just yeah. looked it up mm-hmm. i just looked it up and if we count end of a year which was the for your listeners that don't give a fuck about who i am uh end of a year was the uh uh, the band that kind of became self-defense. If we're going to count that as self-defense, then I've been doing it for 20 years. And wow. it, it's, uh, it's just a thing that I, uh, is highly representative of, of me and the stages of my life. Right. So I can't pretend that yeah. something that I can't pretend something I wrote 20 years ago is representative of me, but I can say with utter confidence that it was representative of my life at that time. And that, uh, as a project, it is, uh, rather all-encompassing right so- yeah no i i really love that and that's that's kind of what i do because i i've done something similar i have a a blog i've run for it'll be 14 years i think in november of posting a new film photo that i've taken every day since i was in college and again it's like it's 
a time wow. capsule where you can literally go back and see literally the entire stages of my photo career through little snapshots I've taken throughout my like life. And I, um, we had a uh, steak mountain on, uh, and he talked about it too. And just the idea of like a lifelong project and how time spent is like the most valuable thing you could ever do. And it's and time spent is, is, a, is a respectful thing in the arts. Cause it's just, you've taken the time of your life to just dedicate it to doing something over without like skipping to whatever the next hot thing is. And, uh, you know, that's something I've really loved about, about self-defense It's just, it's this enduring project that's gone through a bunch of phases and, and different kind of evolutions, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, so when you ask, uh, how did I, uh, sort of prioritize my time? It's, uh, uh, I think people would assume that because Drug Church uh, uh, now looks like it has taken off, uh, that uh, I I put my efforts there, but that, that's not exactly true. I mean, uh, Drug Church is only you could only really say it took off in the last three years or so, right? Like uh, in such a way that uh, I could live off of if live off of it if I was twenty three. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. so uh, you, you could say it's taken off in that respect, but uh, it, it it was that was very accidental. And uh, uh, it, self defense is uh, slow down. We have a lot of new music coming now, but self defense is slow down. Uh, it, it, I, I I'm not putting blame on anybody because in a respect it it is my fault, but mm-hmm. it, it's. Uh, I would also say somewhat out of my hands. So it, 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 uh, uh, it, to answer your question, as my girlfriend or anybody in my life would tell you, uh, my ability to effectively prioritize anything, uh, is highly limited. So there, there's no, there's nothing methodical or, or strategic about, uh, I'm a Pisces. Uh, so that you know so the, the uh but i don't believe in uh uh, uh astro- astrology uh but you know what i don't believe in astronomy either fuck it but i i <laughs> sure. uh, i i i don't believe in it but i i i liked what it says about pisces because it rings true which is just it's uh it's typically people who are uh purely intuitive with uh, uh little in the way of uh of plan and uh th- that's how i feel and it's not good obviously and it frustrates everybody in my life quite a bit but uh i've i've gotten you know i've shown up at the airport on the wrong day i've uh i've been left in countries i, d- I just never know what the fuck is going on um and uh it's because i just i don't know I, part of me just believes that uh, it'll work out and uh, i shouldn't have to learn anything <laughs> yeah that's a that's a fun way to kind of drift through life you know the um yeah it's uh you, you finally got the uh self-defense family live record coming out right uh yes we do and uh i was afraid to listen to it i kept getting asked to approve uh the the mix and all that and i just never listened to it i handed it off uh to a bandmate to say i you know this is going to be this is going to be hard for me to listen to because uh, you know, when 
I always uh, a realization that I've had is uh, this applies to photography. I I don't care if I see a f- photo of myself again in this life, and, and it's <laughs> it and it's not. I mean, it might have something to do with my decline uh, in a, in in my uh, general attractiveness, but I, I I would think that it would have more to do with the fact that even as a micro celebrity, even as a fucking Z, as a double Z fucking basement fucking <laughs> celebrity, uh, that I've just seen probably a hundred thousand photos of myself. Yeah. And I don't understand how anybody could be interested in something after a hundred thousand times. I couldn't give a goddamn. I know every angle of my face. I, I could probably draw myself pretty effectively. So I, uh, and I'm not a good artist. So I, uh, I, I just, it's the same way w- with live videos. I'll watch a live video of us if it's uh, particularly cool. You know, if there's, if there's like, if it's, if it was a wild one, if I have like a memory in my head that like, Oh, that was crazy. Let me check it out. Uh, but I make myself fucking cringe, you know what I mean? <clears throat> and I, uh, so I didn't listen to it, and I made a bandmate listen to it and approve it. And, uh, but I, I listened, uh, to the single the other day. I, I don't know how, I don't sound great, but the band sounds fucking great. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I'm, I'm quite excited about the live, uh, so, uh, a tease here. Uh, we're doing, the live record's coming out very shortly, and uh, then we are doing a year of demos, uh, oh. where we're we're putting the demos out uh, to our listeners before we go into a studio and record an album. And uh, you know, the demos are currently very schizophrenic. There, uh, we have stuff that you would call lo-fi, I suppose, and then. We also have material that sounds like rival schools, and oh, hell uh, yeah. and, and I I don't know what the album is actually going to sound like yet. Um, I'm also dialing in a theme because I'm fucking pretentious and everything needs a fucking theme, uh, <laughs> and uh, that's tough because um, you know what do you want to say about. I th- there's people that have pointed out that I've become a, a, a broken record uh, lyrically. Now I, I would argue I probably get I probably get more clever lyrically or or, or sharper, like a sharper pen, I guess. But topic wise, I'm 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 static. I, I really there's just a few things that uh, really animate me to uh, to write, and uh, I could understand how somebody would be tired of those things now. You know. It- well, do you still uh, do you still only write in the studio? That's right. That's uh, that's wild. Uh, I've, I've said it before. The, the only way that I can do things if, is if uh, I know somebody's going to be mad at me if I'm not doing them. <laughs> so uh, that's it. You know. Oh, that's funny. That's great. Yeah, I mean that that's gotta. So you, you kind of need the pressure to be on. I you do, gotta have yeah. the, the clock ticking and the and the the meter's got to be running essentially. Yeah, I got to see money being lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of money lost, have you uh, have you clicked the order on the? Uh, no, I'm staring at uh, it right now. <laughs> yeah, I, although I will say that it's uh, Amazon Australia, which when you're from, you know, if in the United States, Amazon is a two day affair. In Australia, it's eighteen days. Oh you my know? god! It's, wow. Fuck it. Uh, well, Western Australia. I don't know. Maybe the rest of the country is spoiled, but I. We are not getting anything in 
it, it, anything, nothing is expeditious about Western Australia. Yeah, you don't have any well, local... Question about Western Australia. How mm-hmm. far outside of the city have you gone? Oh, not that far. Um, maybe an hour. Okay. I'd say what's even out there, you know? Well, when I say maybe an hour... So, okay. So... Uh, Perth to get to a million people has to do like the Albany trick of like uh, considering the entire metro area well into the suburbs uh, mm-hmm. to, to reach a million people, and and that's what uh, that's what Perth has to do as well. It's really the size of Albany for anybody that's been to Albany. Uh, you don't have to go, but the the, the uh, <laughs> it's it's not a big place, but but. Uh, my girlfriend and I live uh, maybe 25 minutes outside the city, so I've gone an hour past that, maybe two hours, maybe two hours. Uh, things start to get really exciting after about four or five hours, uh, where you are very far away <laughs> from... Yeah, it looks... I was just looking at, like, when you were talking about Western Australia, I was looking at, like just the map of the terrain yep. and there's like a really sharp cutoff where the green ends yep. and it's just like so brown to the next coast australia fascinating place has uh some of the most marginal land on, on the planet uh and so you're talking about the interior being completely just, just it, there's nothing there i mean there's mining communities <clears throat> there's some indigenous communities but it is there's nothing. Which, by the way, you, 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 how fascinating is the the I guess what you call the post-colonial uh, education? Uh, uh, you know, like when 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 we learn about uh, uh, whatever the proper nomenclature is, American Indians, Native peoples of the Americas, whatever. Uh, when we learn about them, we still mentally put them in the areas that they now we historically apply the areas that they now live in as if that's where they always resided even though we right. know that that they were forcibly moved there right so mm-hmm. we think about we think about people living on incredibly marginal land that 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 uh <laughs> is uh uh really unfarmable and, and cruel to put people on and in our stupid Stupid uh, minds, we go. Oh yeah, that's that's where that's where they lived, but it is, of course is not where they lived. They lived along the coasts where life is green and beautiful. You know what I mean? Right. And and uh, but Australia does the same thing. Yeah, uh, Australia has like you know if you if you think about where indigenous people would choose to live, it would be the same place anybody would choose to live, which is some place that is fruitful and bountiful and 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 the the land is good to you, but. Uh, now, uh, a lot of those communities are pushed to uh, pass the bush, you know, because you have the bush and then you got something past the bush, which is like mm-hmm. uh, kind of desert. But uh, if you want to trip out, uh, look up the Nullarbor Plain. That is Some uh, that one's far <laughs> from me, but it's technically Western Australia. Uh, it, but uh, Nullarbor Plain is like to to cross it is like a. Uh, you know, like a Herculean endeavor. Uh, there's some religious group did it in a, on like a bicycle, but oh wow, uh, just like the Darien Gap. Yeah, go look, look that shit up and just look into a void 
You know what I mean? <laughs> like just look into look into a nothing. Uh, it's a dream. But uh, yeah, so Western Australia, there there is an Albany, Western Australia, and I I debate making my life there for the irony. <laughs> I mean, it it certainly feels like if you were looking for a place to pioneer, you you've already found it. There's a it's lot true. of uh, well available space. So so sorry, to, this is uh, this is going to be ter- this is Zillow, Zillow listing level boring here for people that on, in your listenership. But <clears throat> there's a. Uh, uh, Right now, the thing I hate about Perth, uh, for all the things I like about it, is that the suburbs are subdivided uh, in like a way that it's like a liber- To me, for a place that has so many fucking regulations and is essentially a nanny state, the one place that they just let it all let it all hang out is uh, uh, zoning because the uh, suburbs here are subdivided to a degree that it makes me feel like I'm living in the projects, even though I live in like a completely nice suburb. And uh, that's just because people are living on top of each other in this way that I think is gross. So uh, we are we're looking at houses uh, that are very outside. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like uh, like an hour uh, into nothing, uh, so that we can get some land, maybe a couple goats, and uh, kind Got of at least one. You know, I you know I I have. A few jobs, and uh, th- three of them are work from home, and one of them is touring. And um, I don't need to be anywhere near Perth City. Uh, I don't report to an office or workspace. <clears throat> so, what's what's the industry in Perth? Mining. Uh, sure. Yeah, I'd say the the probably the furthest reaches of my knowledge about Perth is from watching. That live video of the chariot where they're playing a cafe and someone knocks over a bowl of limes and the and the uh, the owner of the cafe cuts the cord and then they have to play at some kid's house. That's, so, that's as much as I know about Perth. Uh, those limes. Um, <laughs> it, so uh, Perth is a uh, Western Australia is a mining. Uh, yeah, the, in, it, that's the industry here. And what you have in Perth is uh, what you have, for example, in Alaska. Uh, on the is it the north slope of Alaska, uh, where it, people are FIFO, right? Are you familiar with this concept? Uh, it, mm-hmm. I, I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Somebody like me, the, you know, from uh, the Northeast, FIFO meant nothing to me my entire life. But uh, f- for for your listeners that are in the same boat, it's fly in, fly out, and it's people who work uh, in uh, isolated places for. Uh, like two week shifts or ten day shifts or or, or whatever, and then <clears throat> fly back, uh, typically cashed up and just ready to do methamphetamine and go to strip clubs. And uh, <laughs> the sure uh, in Perth, you still have that. Like I landed at the airport the other day, and uh, this is no exaggeration. Everybody in the terminal, every single person in that terminal, except for me, was wearing high visibility. Like uh, like uh, onesies, <laughs> you know, everybody, <laughs> because Hell yeah. they're all they're all flying to a work uh, a work site probably five hundred miles north, you know, uh, and right. that's part of the at one time. Sorry, everybody, this is the Perth cast now. Sorry, uh, at one time Perth per capita was uh, <laughs> one of the wealthiest places uh, because there was. You could be a high school graduate making two hundred thousand dollars a year off like Australian but uh, off of mining 
uh, at, you know, age 23, right? And and, uh, uh, there's still some of that uh, here. Uh, There's still some of that energy. Like, for example, when my girlfriend and I were looking for a house to rent, uh, we kept getting outbid on on rentals, which is uh, illegal, by the way, but happens uh, where... We would huh. be waiting and we'd be waiting in line, uh, and a miner would just come up to the uh, uh, the homeowner and say, "You know, I'll pay twenty five dollars a, a week over, what, what whatever the whatever the offer is." You know what I mean? Because uh, mm-hmm. what you're not supposed to do on rentals, everybody, don't do that. It's a scumbag move. But the uh, uh, it's just because there's people are you know what they call cashed cashed up bogans here. <laughs> I'm very familiar with the term bogan. I used to work uh, with Australians in Williamsburg, and uh, or for Australians in Williamsburg, and bogan got thrown around a lot. Yeah, it's it's a weirdly, um, it's like white trash in the United States in the respect mm-hmm. that it is specific to the United States. Like bogan, yeah. bogan does not mean white trash, although there's a very healthy crossover. Uh, just as it doesn't mean um, uh, w- w- chav, you know what I mean. Like it doesn't mean chav. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean white trash. Uh, uh, there's also eshe here, which is uh, mm-hmm. a like an urban variation on bogan. So like if you are like um, a poor white who is into designer fashion but can't afford it and uh, uh, you know, smoking menthol cigarettes and hitting people. You, you, you're, you're, you're an eshe, which is different. So, I, I find it fascinating that we all have these things where we, you know, we're talking about class consciousness and things like that. Uh, probably in the negative respect, and uh, the concept is universal. The application varies region to region. Right. The resentment, uh, there's a stratified resentment. Oh. Uh, and like I say, Australia <laughs> honestly has much less of that than any place I've ever been. But but it mm. uh, it's still... Is it just because there's a bigger middle class? Well, my girlfriend, to give you a perspective, my girlfriend honestly did not know that single mothers struggled until she watched American programming, where that's just... That that that's the model is that you're a single mother you're struggling etc. Because that wasn't her experience. Like she didn't have her parents looking out for her or anything. I mean they do they love her. But what I mean is that she wasn't supported financially by them, <clears throat> and she was a single mother, and there was she never felt like she was. You know if you follow media in the United States, single mothers are. Uh, working four jobs while they leave their kid with, uh, w- with a caregiver that's shady and might kidnap them and sell them into trafficking, and meanwhile, and the mother has to go prostitute herself, and they, and it's these horror stories that are based actually in reality, of course, because single mothers in the United States were not terribly great at giving people uh, uh, social programs uh, that anybody would want to engage with, honestly. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like like everything in the United States is the equivalent of a homeless shelter where you're going to get lice. You know what I mean? So <laughs> so it, it it's uh it's not like that, but it, but it it's uh, uh so Australia, like I said, she she 
and she's a smart woman, but she honestly didn't know that it was like such a thing that like, oh wait, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be struggling. I did, I had no idea. <laughs> you know, like so. Well, you can always start now. That's true. Uh, <laughs> is, is never it, too late. So uh, speaking of never too late. Yes. Should we should we talk about Let's do the it. mighty mighty Boston's now that we're an hour and twenty minutes into this episode? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so um, you uh, yeah you threw out a bunch of uh, options for us, mm. uh, which some of them were, were a little unexpected. Uh, I think you you threw out Rush. You threw out uh, was it Little Feet? I believe. Yep. Uh, not stuff that I've necessarily connected to personally. I don't know about Andrew. Um. But yeah, I, I know you're a big Mighty Money Boston's fan. He did a cover recently, I believe, right? For uh, we did, yeah. For for Paps Blue Ribbon, yeah. Uh, it uh, uh, things I never thought that I would do, <laughs> ethically or or in general. Uh, well, I guess both. I never, I I guess I never expected a beer company to offer to finance me recording a Boston song. <laughs> like, true. I, I guess that uh, you know maybe maybe i didn't have the vision that's true <laughs> see if you followed andrew tate's uh you know courses you you yes. have the the confidence to say of course they'd want to sponsor me it's funny it's funny when i when i was looking at that email and and uh and Dan responds, what the fuck are we going to do with this? Yeah. And I was like, well, at least he said Boston. Like, I, I had been listening to question the answers, not like in regular rotation, but, you know, probably once a week for the past month, um, only because it reminded me that I stole this CD out of the front seat of a car that had the window open. I was riding my bike by. Oh, shit. And there was question the answers uh, was on the was on the passenger seat, and I thought, I guess I'll just grab this real quick. Um, so, in the spirit of punk, I love this record, in, sort of. In the spirit of larceny, uh, yeah. Well, oh my, yeah. This uh, six of one. I have to. It's. Uh, I gotta say, um, I listened to it mostly in my car uh, on some long drives this weekend, but. Uh, today I went out to get my uh, big Italian sandwich and a uh, and a coffee this morning, and I popped in the headphones, and this is a rewarding headphones listen. Yeah, it's that's, it's that's mixed really well, like the drums specifically. Do you really feel that way? Oh, I think it I sounds think great. So. Yeah. The, oh, the, I thought this the, like of all their of all their records, this one has the least teeth. Oh, oh well, okay. I will say it. It has less teeth than the stuff before it. Uh, mm-hmm. In terms of like you could say that the material before it uh, was much rawer obviously right. but sometimes to its detriment i mean i love the way that those records sound but sure. it's, it's, uh, you want to talk about a difference in drum sound <clears throat> the the drum sound on some like you know devil's night out or something like that is like uh i feel like i'm living in the drums in in a not good way <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. but but the uh and then the stuff I'm gonna I'm gonna say something so fucking snobby that it's snobby in a in a everybody that's listening. I understand this is snobby in a misguided, idiotic way. Even more oh, so. No, than, that, that's the basis of this whole podcast is mm-hmm. is that specific yeah, type of snobbery. You're at home here, but this is even more so than most snobbery. So I I started listening to Boston's when I was a kid. I don't know, fucking whatever, fucking thirteen or whatever, and uh, I was out by the time the big record hit 
So the mm-hmm. impression that I get, I've never listened to that record in full. The, oh, the, wow. The, the, that I was... To, to give you... Like I said, this is... You want to talk about the most misguided snobbery. The... the when they dropped the plaid, I was like, oh, come on. No plaid. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Count me out. Which is obviously absurd because they were still a, a, such a, I mean, a, a fantastically talented band. And not in the way that, for example, I've been, I've been in a fishbone hole for, for the last few days. And fishbone are beyond gifted musicians. They, they, they are mm-hmm. um, the type of... Uh, once you gain a level of proficiency over your instrument that you you can be fully intuitive like a like a proper jazz musician uh it is uh just such a wonder to behold when you watch these guys play live and it it sounds not album great in the way that like when i saw rush they were they sounded like an album and i did not appreciate it the, the, when fishbone when you see fishbone play it's it's like it's like an album just got smarter in front of you. You know what I mean? And it is so remarkable. The Boston's were not that. But the but what the Boston's had over Fishbone in my humble opinion is some real crack songwriting. Some just like brilliant fucking songwriting that that uh you know, the one fella uh I always thought Nate Albert must have had more to do with the songwriting because that everybody that's a guitarist uh, f- for this record and the previous records uh, because you know when he left I think that something left with him right and as it turns out I, do, I he's not credited I don't think with writing uh, mm. any of the songs on this record but <clears throat> he uh, oh and also he went on to be an A&R guy and sign The weekend and stuff like that but oh, sure. uh, b- but I thought oh he must have but you know, just recently I learned, no, 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 it was uh, 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 Dickie Barrett and Gittleman, I guess. Um, but, uh, so the bassist and, and, and Dickie Barrett. But, uh, yeah, I, I I think that this is, they're just great songwriters. And, and uh, re- regarding the recording quality, I, I really like the recording quality on this record. Uh, I will, yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the obvious part out loud, which is they're called a ska punk band. There's no punk on this record. This is ska alternative. Uh, this I is, disagree. Oh, I th- I think this is like, for example, uh, I think it's maybe the second track. Is that this might be uh, sad silence or something? Whatever the fucking song is, it it, it uh sad silence. Yeah. Uh, there is a alternative guitar part that is so far from punk, but so it might as well be soul asylum. You know what I mean? Like it <laughs> it, it, it it is uh. It's pure alternative, and they they are all over the place on this record, though. Like, yeah, but, but like, pictures to prove it is a punk song. Oh, I don't know if there's anything on this I'd call punk. Really? Uh, let me. Let me break That's why there's stuff like I grew up like they're kind of the progenitors of third wave ska, as they call it, which you know then later became well, like Catch Twenty Two, Less Than Jake real big fish that kind of era of stuff and that was my wheelhouse in high school in terms of listening to ska um i i hear a lot of lesson jake on this record um i went back and had lesson jake stuck in my head after listening to this record but you know i'm also i'm from new jersey so i'm i have to be a folly fan 
And I okay, hear some folly on this record. I mean, the song 365 Days, I think that might be my favorite song on this on this record. But it sounds like a fucked up song. Like he oh, sounds like Damien in the vocals. And so, the, the, the verse part sounds like a fucked up song. So I, I've been... Uh, uh, I got labeled a fucked up hater. Uh, <laughs> because... Uh, obviously, I got a lot of respect for them. I think they're uh, very good musicians. I, but I've been critical of the fact that Damien's voice uh, is Damien's voice, and as the band becomes almost melodic to a fault, mm-hmm. Damien can't, Damien can't keep pace. Dicky oh. Dicky keeps pace. Dicky is is. Not, he, he's obviously got a stylized, gruff, uh, hardcore-inspired voice, but he is doing a lot on this record. Mm-hmm. He, 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 is, he might have two notes, but he is <laughs> really selling those notes. And, yeah. <laughs> he does, I, I, something he does on this record that I don't think he does, uh, I mean this and the earlier stuff that I don't think, that I think he loses after this, is that he's got a lot of range. Like after this, the range goes away and he tries to do like the greaser crooner. But like, there's a lot, he's, his, his voice contains multitudes, I suppose, on this record. Like he sings, he hits some really great notes, and he also like grumbles, which I think is what people sort of expect from him. Mm. I yeah, I I like that he tries things. There's some things mm-hmm. I don't think are are vocally successful. Like sometimes he'll do, uh, kind of like a, aggressive drops. Like uh, he'll mm. go from uh, a very strong voice to to an intentional. Like sort of drop to weakness, and I don't think that stuff works. But I think it's all, I think it's all an attempt at something. By the way, I'm looking up. So, Boston's to me were the ska that I. So I, 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 I've probably bored many a podcast with this information. But I I became interested in music uh, by going to the public library, and I would just go by album cover, right? And uh, I had one of those super thick uh, disc men, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I would just uh, get CDs out of the library and just give everything a shot. And uh, uh, so I went from, you know, the specials, uh, Madness, if we're going to call them a ska band, are my all-time favorite. Uh, <clears throat> uh, well, no. I would say... The English beat, English beat is if if we're gonna call the English beat ska, I would say that's the best ska band. But I would not call them ska, right? So whatever, that's the stuff that I always love. The stuff that, um, the stuff that, like I'm looking up the Moon Ska roster mm-hmm. right now. For New Yorkers, this was it, right? Like this was a cultural thing, and this didn't. This didn't matter to me, right? Like, I, I can appreciate the toasters now. Um, you know, I guess the slackers. Uh, yeah, there, there, there's stuff that I would say, like, oh, yeah, that's great. Put it on, you know? But I, it just wasn't, it wasn't what I was exposed to and what I was excited about. And the Boss Tones really were. And the Boss Tones also made sense to me as I got 
I was into the Boston's before I was into hardcore, but the Boston's made perfect fucking sense when I got into hardcore. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, uh, I think they covered uh, they covered Minor Threat, obviously, but on on one of those a lot of EP- covers in their discography. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They covered but, Enter Sandman. They covered Aerosmith. I'm pretty uh, sure they co- I'm pretty sure they covered Slapshot, Minor Threat. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else, but but uh, obviously they had a really close relationship uh, with Murphy's Law, mm-hmm. uh, and it made it just made sense to me. And uh, but here's what I think: I'm going to take us in a different direction. I I think Dickie might be one of the best lyricists of the era, a- really? and I think he's brilliant. I I think that his because here's what it is. <clears throat> There's there's lyricists who are genius because they have a turn of phrase because they're they're writers right they're they're, they're really they're poets or they're they're prose adjacent uh, and they just have a way with words. It's not Dicky. There's other writers who I think are brilliant for their takes, their angles on on tired subjects, right? Like, hold on. Let's go down the let's go down the list a little bit. Um, okay, kinder words. Uh, lyrically, I guess you could say it could be a Gorilla Biscuit song. You know, maybe makes sense. Yeah. Uh, a sad silence. You're not getting this from anybody else in this era. A song this about a guy a, ODing from crack. <laughs> no, a sad silence. It's it's about a kid who's bullied every day and and one day he goes down after a punch and doesn't get up and everybody mm-hmm. doesn't know what to make of it like there's just a silence a stunned silence that the kid that they've beaten up every day for x amount of time is now wait what did we do what do we do that's like i mean you want to talk about a topic a topic of like I, sorry, this is. I'm going to take us in a lot of different directions. I, my favorite, one of my favorite moments in film is not from a movie that anybody would consider genius, but it's just to me, it, it's a genius moment. Uh, are you familiar? Dude, with, where's my car? <laughs> you, familiar, <laughs> uh, you familiar with the film Three Kings? Oh yeah, yes. The moment in it where everything pivots to seriousness, where uh, the, the local. Um, uh, the local, uh, I don't know, not militia, but uh, kind of paramilitary, uh, is shot. And George Clooney's face is one of resignation because he knows what he has to do now. You know what I mean? He knows that it's, my gun has to go up and I have to shoot the other men here. And mm-hmm. and and now everything is more serious than it needed to be. And this sucks but complaining about it will do nothing. I, I now have to do this thing, and I, I have to do it. There's nothing else, right? And mm-hmm. th- th- that is, uh, I, I just think it's just like, su- I think it's even slow motion. It, it's just such a, such a relatable, um, like, like you're taken there. And the idea of, I mean, we might not have cracked a kid in the face, and then he, he goes down and, he, and things are different for us. But I'm sure in our lives, we have done something carelessly and then realized that the stakes were higher than we thought. And, and the sort of quiet where you realize, 
oh, this, this is different now. I didn't understand, and now I'm in trouble, right? <clears throat> and I think that that's who sings about that. Who could, yeah. who, who could c- c- kind of evoke that? You know what I mean? Um, uh, pictures to prove it. This is a, uh, a, a song of lost love, sort of. But it's also a when he says, uh, you, you know, you you try to paint it as a different thing. But uh, I'm busting out Exhibit A. These are not the lyrics, everybody. Um, but when it's, you know, I look at these photos and I'm melancholy and wistful and I'm thinking about the past. But I also, it's evidence that it exists, that it existed. It's evidence that that, that uh, this love that we had was real, and and uh, no, you can't. Nobody can deny it because look at this. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, I think that that's a different angle too. That's a little bit more of a Motown angle, but it's still not one that you'd, you'd hear very much. As, you know? as the kid would say, you got the receipts. Yeah, he's got the receipts. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Toxic Toast, which is, uh, I always thought about a punk house, but it's really about his, his time in the band Toxic Toast, which is, amounts <laughs> to the same thing. It, it amounts to the same thing, which is yeah. uh, just looking back on a on a period of your life where I mean this is kind of their madness our house right uh, it, 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 it's kind of uh, uh, very very wistful very uh, sentimental very, uh, you know it's reminiscence and uh, reminiscence over poverty over over uh, struggle and uh, I mean that you might see that in other music but you're not seeing you're not seeing it in punk you know what I mean? So, so this stuff always blew my mind. Uh, I, th- I think Dickie Barrett is... So here's why I think when you say, really, you think Dickie Barrett's a good vocal or a good lyricist? Uh, I, people, I remember a kid asking me, um, who, who, who kind of inspires you uh, lyrically? And I said, you know what? Echo and the Bunny Man. And he looked so disappointed. <laughs> and, and, and and there's a reason for that. It's because Echo and the Bunny Men don't they don't really have dense uh, kind of uh, uh, the metaphors aren't uh, aren't busting off the fucking uh, uh, the speaker. It's it's not necessarily dense with with uh, clever. It, it, you know, it's it's not that. It, it but. It's typically there is one or two lines per song that is biting as hell. And I think that that has more value. Like, for example, um, somebody in, you know, punk or, or, or whatever, Jason, um, Aaron from Me Without You, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's a truly brilliant guy uh, who... The, the density of his lyrics is is uh, pretty incomparable in what we do, right? I don't know if we're going to see anybody like him anytime soon. Um, that's not what... That's rare. What's more common is someone who is um, loose and... Uh, more impressionistic and uh, you uh, you could say uh, vague but then c- 
cuts the living shit out of you with a line or two. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you can hang an entire song on that line or two, you know? And I would say Dickie is of that second, uh, second, but he is more sentimental. And yeah. uh, it, it, there is such a warmth in, in all of his material. Uh, I, I really feel he's a, he's a rare commodity, uh, lyrically. You could also tell he's like having fun. Like oh, you yeah. can, it, it comes through, which I think is something that is, it's kind of a tough thing to fake. You know, it, it's just a specific type of energy that comes through when you can tell that the person saying these things is like having a good time saying it. Like uh, you can I mean, feel the bounce in also- them. Like you can tell, like, I don't think he could stand still necessarily like in the vocal booth delivering these lines with that kind of bounce to it, you know? There's also stuff on this record that lyrically that I I don't understand, like could not possibly understand. Hell of a hat. Oh yeah, I, like I mean that, 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 that one. That one's just uh, that's uh, <laughs> that was that, one of my notes too. I also love that there's remember, a censored version called Heck of a Hat, which I think is even funnier. <laughs> Holy shit! I remember when I was like young, high school, going to hardcore shows, and it seemed like. You know, sort of when you got to be 17 and you started to age out of hardcore, um, you went like one of two directions and one was like straight edge emo and the other was like greaser. And so there were like greaser kids in my high school who like, you know, had straight old straight edge tattoos, old isn't like two years old, but like homemade straight edge tattoos. And, And this is what it immediately made me think of. There's one dude, one dude who had a uh, a Volkswagen Golf that had a Cadillac emblem Funny. on it. And I'll never forget getting out with like slick back hair. And I was like, this is, I do not identify with whatever how, how this guy's doing. How old are you? Doing. Are you 40? I'm 42, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, so th- th- this is, uh, the greaser thing I think was dead very shortly after we got out of high school. I See, uh, mm. I talked on a recent episode about how there were like, there was a weird stray cats resurgence in my high school. Oh, you want to talk about weird? Albany had a uh, swing scene. Yeah, you you want to <laughs> oh, talk yeah. about oh, weird? Yeah. I, knew, I knew some people who were real big Brian Setzer Orchestra fans. Oh, wow, that's crazy. Mm. Yeah, dark, dark times. I know a lot of uh, I know a lot of uh, mechanics with flame tattoos that love social distortion. So I, I get it, but uh, so so man, uh, yeah. I'm just confirming. So hell of a hat uh, is just about being a really well dressed man carrying a gun. Yeah, and, and, yeah. And why do you need the gun? And right. Uh, that's this is also another bizarre thing to devote lyrics to right this is what i'm talking about these these are these are angles Mm -hmm. and takes and approaches on songs that are just oh that's interesting you you know Uh, what i mean like also like the boston punk scene in the mid 90s was a wild place you know i mean late 80s i mean we're talking uh, like i've seen pictures of their early shows and it just it blows me away like i don't i could not separate that from like punk Five years after they were taken, uh, well, you know what I mean. Like, w- well, listen, I mean, it, 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 they. It, it's not worlds away from Murphy's Law at all. You know what I mean? It's it's, yeah. uh, and certainly Fishbone wasn't a, wasn't a, uh, 
a hardcore band at any point in their career, but they, they there's significant crossover there. And then even when you get to stuff like Sublime, there's just you know you you scenes where the maybe people didn't know any better. You know, you know what I mean? like you can't say that about Boston, but scenes where maybe like, oh, it was it was all one thing until it wasn't, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand, by the way, Boston's. If you look at all their uh, the, the, talking about them, like uh, the, any type of Wikipedia article about them, um, <clears throat> they're they're supposedly started in 1983. Now, they must have been fucking 13 at that point, right? Yeah. But actually, actually, no, no, let's say. Um, uh, Dickie Barrett is 59, I saw today. Um, so help me out. In 1983, you would be how old? Uh, <laughs> if yep. you're 59 now? Yep. So 59 is 17 years older than me. And in 83, I was two, so 19. Yeah, you would have okay. been 19, which seems old, at the actually. It does, yeah. So, um, uh, okay, so, so it looks like they had their first, the, the first thing that they, their name appeared on was in 1987. Um, now, yeah, that's He's a, already the, aged out of punk at that point, you know? I mean, that's a, that's a lot, and I, I cannot figure out, I used to own... The Impact Unit uh, CD that they reissued, but I, I have no idea. That came out in 89 originally, but was, I don't uh, whatever. If you want to hear everybody, if you don't know, uh, Impact Unit, uh, uh, it's like songs like I'd Eat Your Shit, and uh, mm-hmm. the, 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 name of the, the name of the record is My Friend the Pit, which is going to be the name of a band that I do at some point, because it's just a great fucking name. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, Looking at the other ages of people in the band, though, much younger than Dickie. Like, oh, Joe no Gittleman's shit. 55, Joe Seurat is 51, Chris Rhodes is 74. <laughs> so, yeah, they're all Jesus over the place. Christ. But well, uh, I, I, had a, I had a quick question, though, about yeah. Scott in general, because it seems to be, like, the common theme is, is it possible to form a ska band outside of high school? Uh, like, I'm trying. I, I, I don't know any adult horn players, and it seems that every horn player yes, in, in any other ska band just comprised of other people who've been in previous ska bands. So it's like if you don't meet these people from high school band, you can't start a ska band outside of high school. <laughs> you you one hundred percent know adult horn players. Not people I who still practice the art of the horn. As they as they say, <laughs> words I never thought I would hear uh, <laughs> ever outside of like uh, I don't know Viking culture. Yeah, yeah. The, I know I know a few shofar players out there. <laughs> where's well, the Where's the Israeli ska band with the shofar player? Uh, so I, I'm trying to get a ska band off the ground in uh, Perth. And, okay. Uh, Big ska easy. culture out there in Perth. No. No, no, there's not. Um, but but I'm trying. The problem is, I mean, you on some level, I think what was lost uh, maybe in that third wave Scott. Uh, well, not maybe, certainly in that third wave Scott at times. You got to be a real fucking musician. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you, you really got to be because 
I speak th- I speak from experience. The two most difficult things in the world. A, f- a five piece is the easiest thing you could ever do. A, a five piece band is a joke. Uh, and the reason I say that is uh, all of your you can be as thick as needed but you can also hide all of your boo-boos. Right? <laughs> yeah. And once you are beneath a five piece, particularly a fucking power trio, uh, you are naked. You, 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 there's nothing hiding your mistakes, right? Yeah. But once you get over five, you have to start juggling. And that shit is tough. Yeah, right. you have to, uh, you have to essentially you, like compose music in like yes, a traditional that's right. sense. Because you can't start having twelve people play at the same time and expect it not to be chaos. Yes. That's right. That's I never thought of it that way. That's right. So, ska I think requires you to. You, you, I mean, it's it, it's it's hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and not every band is is good at it, uh, but the ones that are really good at it, I think, are probably uh, probably good at kind of like. Um, uh, keeping really floaty players um, uh, in a box, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, limit limiting them in the interest of of uh, good governance. <laughs> you know, what I mean? so so I think that that's sort of uh, the problem is that I'm not capable of that. Right, yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not a musician of any real type. Uh, so as much as I would like to start a band like that. <clears throat> I don't think it's uh I don't think it's technically possible. Um so you know, I I I I want to, but I would need I would need my uh uh Gitterman, you know what I mean? I would need my Joe yeah, Gitterman yeah. to uh to, to to steal that to steer that wagon a little bit. Right. The so, um Oh, go on. Yeah, so uh it's a, it's a it's a dream. Uh cuz I would like to play music in Australia in a in a focused way because uh, I find it to be a fascinating this probably isn't very interesting to people but I, f- I find it fascinating as a as a market because there's so few cities yeah you know so there's guys in in bands in Australia who have long beautiful careers uh, you know real everybody's got a job it's not like the United States where like there's a like you could be in a shitty metalcore band and not work you know, I mean, not mm-hmm. like in Australia, you've got, you've got unless you're. I assume I didn't know Tame and Tame Impala. I've never heard a Tame Impala song still. So, I'd, but apparently they're from Perth. And oh, uh, check apparently that it's just one guy. Apparently, okay, it's well, not ch- actually a band, ch- which I also that, found out recently. Check that for me. See if I'm talking out my ass. I, somebody told me that the other day. But I, uh, I, unless you're that dude, and touring internationally with great regularity. He is from Perth. You okay. are correct. Um, it's it's really really difficult to. So that's what I'm, I guess that's another thing I'm talking about with uh, kind of the Australian uh, uh, flatness to the social structure. That's cool that you're a musician. Now get back to the foundry. Yeah, you, you, you know what I mean. And, and I I, uh, I think there's something you know at this stage in my life where uh, you know I have jobs and I. I, I like to work. I I think it would be nice to also be in a band that tried to do tried to do the thing in Australia, um, 
you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I find it really fascinating. I find it like Canada where no disrespect to our Canadian brothers listening to this, but mm-hmm. you don't have to be very good. And, uh, and you can win a of, Juno award. They just give them to they you. They literally, they're like, oh, you've been a band for two years. Sick. <laughs> uh, here's your Juno award. Uh, yeah, here's your Juno award and your, and your, and your artist salary. Yes, here's your artist salary. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, we're pay- paying for your recording, which you can then, at no expense, to, uh, to, you can just license that around the world for profit to you. Uh, mm. Congratulations. You know what I mean? You, 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 were, bo- you were born in a, a, a frozen socialism. Uh, so in Australia, they don't. I don't think they have artist grants of that type, but... I think it's a fascinating idea that you could conceivably make real inroads in four cities, get a name for yourself, and be something in Australia. And everybody, the mm-hmm. our, our Australian listeners of this podcast, I understand life's not that easy. I'm just su- suggesting that it's if if you've played the United States, you know that uh, it's a very big place with dozens of cities. And to to accomplish anything in the United States, you have to consistently play. Well, not you know. Look, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot who ha- thinks that touring is cool. So I'm take me with a grain of salt. There's people that have d- accomplished a lot without touring, but yeah. But I I'm still of that model that you hit the same place ten times, and and maybe nine you, you, people start to bring their friends. You know. Uh, so with only, I don't know, Perth, Adelaide, uh, <clears throat> Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, Darwin, uh, Darwin, can't forget Darwin, can't forget Darwin. So, uh, you've got seven cities and of those you'd probably play four with any regularity. So, I mean, you could probably do a residency in Darwin. A lot of people go there for vacation. That's where the Bogans go, at least. I don't think they care about. I don't think they care about music. I'll, also, I I don't know how to count. That's six cities. But the, the uh, <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody. I think it's like San Diego, where uh, nobody gives a shit about music. Um, so, the, the, or actually, probably more. That, like, I'd say that's not true. We just had Justin Pearson on the pod, and he's the, he's the king of San Diego. So. Listen. Uh, he's he's the king of a feeble kingdom, uh, and, 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 and I I say this he might I say this with great respect I say this with great respect for him, and also uh, I love San Diego I love it it's one of my favorite places mm-hmm. on earth. However, uh, the people there will tell you the people who live there will tell you that uh, it is there's there's been some famine in terms of uh, kind of. I mean, they they've had a scene forever, but the people who have who are from there who have traveled or are from other places and then moved there will tell you, it's just very difficult to get people to go to a show in a beautiful place where you have you could be outside all the time. Yeah, you know I mean? it's just very difficult. And everybody, I say that as a, as I I lived in San Diego and I I would and I would again in a heartbeat. It's beautiful, but. Um, I have good news for you is that I found a grant for art projects from the Australia Council for the Arts. Very nice. Um, there's also another one if you live specifically in uh, in New South Wales, which you don't. I but don't. The, I, um, I got to uh, become well, a citizen. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, quick question. 
Um, Andrew, Andrew's got an out soon. We're, we're running a little long. But uh, my main question is, since Ben Carr is considered a member of the band, does he get residuals? Great question. Um, you know, I think that I think that the Boston's are one of those bands where I would not begrudge them if if they did it a little different. I I'm of the belief that a rock bands should should split the pie evenly. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I. I there's a lot of people that disagree. For people that don't know, I'm sure a lot of your listeners are, are musicians themselves. But for people that don't know, the British model is uh, uh, melody plus uh, 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 lyrics, right? <clears throat> so uh, it's almost always guitar plus vocalist is the people that that's who gets default writing credits mm-hmm. uh, in the UK system, American system. Uh, Often resorts to the same thing, but but uh, isn't necessarily the same. I'm a, a huge believer that a good drummer adds as much to a song as anybody else, sells the song at the end of the day as much as anybody else. Yeah, uh, certainly a, maybe more. Is, yes, certainly a, a a a bassist who knows what a bass is supposed to be uh, is elevating that song into something that somebody would actually want to listen to. Um, so I, I'm I'm a believer that you split the pie evenly. However, and and I think it's so funny when they don't like, you know, I I, I only recently learned what a fucking scumbag Perry Farrell is, which I think is hilarious. I'm I, or Stephen Jenkins of uh, Third Eye Blind. Last night I learned what a fucking scumbag weasel, <laughs> and and that shit is. Fu- Listen, shout out to uh, Stephen Jenkins and and the. Uh, uh, Perry Farrell, uh, I think it is. Compl- it, you didn't rip me off. You know what I mean? I I think you're a, a riot. What fucking slime balls the, you are? Uh, I- well, we we got to wrap things up, but we didn't we didn't get to some of my favorite things, um, mm. which is Dickie Barrett was on an episode of Mind Freak uh, oh, with Chris great. Angel. Uh, I did not realize he was the voice of the Jimmy Kimmel show for like twenty years. Twenty years, yeah. Um, I love that Johnny Vegas' is real name. Anti-vaxxer? Yeah, is Johnny Vegas' real name is Tim Burton. That's right. Um, but yeah, the 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 big one is is Dickie Barrett kind of crashed everything by being an anti-vaxxer. Yeah, but now could you imagine like that was that era where everybody? Oh, was, I know. You know, bands were breaking up. I personally knew or had access to the information on bands who were. Creating false cards, lying, oh, yeah. keeping keeping things from each other. Uh, one metalcore band went to fucking war with each other because they were trying to get rid of the vocalist who refused to get a vaccine and and was like, "Yeah, I, you can't get rid of me, and I'll just fucking tank this band. I'm not getting a fucking vaccine. Fuck you." <laughs> and here's the thing: that whole era destroyed a lot of bands and killed the momentum oh, yeah. of a lot mm-hmm. of, sm- of small bands. And now. The other day I traveled, I had my COVID passport shit with me, my little whatever, mm-hmm. and I thought, I haven't used this in a year and a half. Yeah. Nobody has asked mm-hmm. me a thing. Remember no that thing now. where a million people died? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And <laughs> so what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is people make, you know, it's Fugazi line, we speak the way we breathe. I'm sure that there was huge fights 
in in uh, the Boston's camp. Uh, which, by the way, four of those guys have been playing together since they were children. Yeah. So right, wild, uh, totally wild. So I'm sure that there was fights among them, and they probably. You know, they they did a nice thing where they, you know, they said, you know, that we're brothers and all that, but like, they're probably ready to kill each other. And now, three years on or whatever, two years on, no one gives they're a probably fuck. thinking, yeah, they, yeah, remember that thing where, where where I pushed people out of my life and yeah. I fucking yeah. tanked my business? Well, and what, now, what's, be- <laughs> what's even funnier? Which uh, which is is extremely timely is that Dickie Barrett produced an anti-vax song with RFK Jr. Yes, yes. Uh, to the tune of a Graham Nash song that also got them like sued by Graham Nash. Oh, yeah, so, it's, it's fucking it's so fucking wild. But now Dickie's in a new band called The Defiant. Yep. That's a super group of other people who got kicked out of the bands for not taking the vaccine. Yep, uh, including I mean, and, uh, the drummer of Offspring, who was also the drummer for Ch- Tim Pool's band. Oh, so well, that's not good. Uh, wild, but, <laughs> wild group of people. Here's the thing. Uh, I don't know uh, your guests. I don't know if they ever get into this topic. It's like it's it was verboten for a little while. I uh, I was a early dickhead about the vaccine. Early unapologetic, uh, unapologetic dickhead. And, uh, you know, I'm on that John Joseph train. I'm you can still Google Iver- ivermectin. And uh, for me, I don't give a fuck. Like you can file me under whatever nut job bullshit i'm i'm fucking vaccinated because i i'm more scared of my girlfriend than i am a fucking virus or a vaccine she it was important to her that it was important to her that we get together the day that uh western australia opens because we were separated that entire time It, it the the day it opens and she was accepting no substitute. There was no like, Hey, I, I've got a moral stance. I got a ethical stance. I got a fucking philosophical stance, ideological stance. She wasn't hearing any of that bullshit. It was get that fucking vaccine so we can be together. So I went yeah. and got that vaccine and I, uh, I, it's seemingly no ill effects. Right. But I have been to much to the anger of everybody in my life. I've been a contrarian and have, I've just been sympathetic to the Dickie Barretts of the world. It wasn't my path. I went and got vaccinated like a fucking pussy. But yeah. but I've been very sympathetic uh even to the nut jobs. You know what I mean? Even to the fucking lunatics. I I've just been I've had a more open heart than a lot of people. And now y- years years on Everybody's kind of just, eh, you know, you know. Uh, they <laughs> it's 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 like I'm in a truth and reconciliation thing in 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 fucking, uh, you, you know, post apartheid uh, fucking South Africa where it's where it's like, uh, yeah, let's just forgive. And it's like, yo, I'm I'm game for that. I'm I'll forgive anything. But the way that people were so fucked up to each other on both sides of that coin, by the way, but yeah, so mm-hmm. fucked up to each other during that period, and now. The mania is gone. The fear is gone, right? Because that's, uh, you know, fear just prompts all this shit. Uh, Fear on one side of, of obviously, the vaccination, and then on the other side, fear of being controlled. And now that the fear is gone, everybody's sort of like, can we we sort of forget that shit happened? Let's let's put on this defiance record together. Yeah. Can we... So, uh... Can we forget about it? it was the e- equally the people with like Trump flags in their uh, in their pickup trucks in front of hospitals, and then also the people standing in the crosswalks with masks, not letting them go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everybody in that situation, like 
probably sort of at some point feels like a dickhead now. Yeah, that's like hand in your hands in your pocket, head down, sort of whistle your way out of the circumstance for all <laughs> parties involved. Can you th- can you think of a circumstance where everybody involved in a thing just goes, whoa, uh... <laughs> Just just walking away from the dust cloud, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, well shout we out gotta to we gotta wrap it up. This is this is late. Uh Andrew's got a jet. But um Patrick, this has been fucking a blast. Uh you have a million things going on. Episode a hundred. I'll say what a fucking, fucking hundred episodes. We gave him a long one. Uh Patrick, what do you got to plug? You got you got a lot going on. Uh Google Ivermectin. No, uh <laughs> the, the uh uh, yeah, th- there's uh, new self-defense material coming very soon. The, the live LP is uh, available for order probably by the time this goes up. and uh, Or if it is already, I don't know. I don't know how prior orders work, everybody. I think I, it's already I've, up. Oh, okay, well, I've only been involved in music for 20 years. I don't really know how anything works. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Drug Church uh, today announced a, a UK-Europe tour with Citizen. Uh, I think we're going to say yes to... Uh, 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 the biggest tour we'll ever uh, have done. Uh, I think we say yes to that today. I don't know when that gets announced. <laughs> and uh, uh, a new single from Drug Church will be out before the end of the year. So, uh, yeah. uh, and an LP coming next year. Uh, I try to stay busy. Stringer is uh, the graphic novel with my name on it right now. Uh, I'm always doing something in comics. Leaded Gasoline is the series that I have out in stores right now, pick up either one stringer. You can pick up on something like Amazon. Uh, and, uh, I would love your support. It's a beautiful hardcover and, and uh, a nice artifact for your home. Hell yeah. And you also got ax to grind. Oh, of course. Oh, with, they with, get so with, mad. Oh, this is, uh, uh, I hope they don't listen. For, uh, we got, we had former guest, uh, Bob shed on the pod as well at one point. So, uh, I do, I do two podcasts, uh, ax to grind uh, and worst possible timeline, uh, axe to grind being about hardcore music, and uh, uh, worst possible timeline uh, is more current events, uh, and uh, both are very much worth listening to. Yeah, we have had Eric on the pod as well. He came on to talk about Leatherface, which is a lot of fun. Oh, I'm I'm sure he, he's uh, he he's got a lot of passion. He was he was very passionate. It was a fun episode. Uh, cool. Andrew, what do you what do you got to plug? Um, I do a podcast called Run Into the Ground. Uh, please join the Patreon or at least check it out. It'd be cool. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash or backslash, whichever it is, Run Into the Ground. Um, also Instagram at Run Into the Ground, Twitter, my favorite place in the world at Run In the Number Two the Ground. Um, Dan, how about you, Andrew? You were just on a podcast yourself. Oh my fucking god! I was just on a podcast. I was teeing you up. You I just guessed it on a plug. podcast. No, you're right. Um, I just did a podcast called Story Time, spelled weird. S T O U R Y about uh, you know this podcast and my time in a in a pop punk band, um, and it was really fun. We I talked about uh, st- trying to steal a um, trying to steal a uh, fire truck in, at a show with Citizen in Pennsylvania. So wow. definitely check that out. How about you, Dan? No invite. Volume 10. <laughs> All available. Yep, yep. Uh, Dan Bassini on Twitter and Instagram. DanBassini.com. Uh, my latest book, No Invite Volume 10, is out and available now, as well as previous issues 
go check it out you, people love zines go buy some uh they're the quantity is limited and and dwindling and also our podcast we're in the works of uh we got some merch coming up soon if you're a patron member you know patreon member you might get a little discount code Ooh. uh so pre-orders for that should be up as soon as we figure out how to make a a properly working shopify site so that's a lot of fun so keep an eye out for that episode 100 pat kindlin what's up we got you so good to have you <laughs> you still got uh like six hours of daylight left in oslo so yes i'm gonna now order my desert dress men's color thobe oh are you, are you hitting order <laughs> yeah and uh no disrespect to my arab brothers i don't know if thobe is the correct way to say this this is how <laughs> my the anglicized anglicized fucking that's how it reads to me um yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's a uh, United Arab Emirates uh, Omani dish dosh uh, white uh, green cream. It's a good color combo. Wow, you should get it screen printed with something fun. We get a back patch uh, on that thing. Uh, you know what I get screen printed on on the uh, pocket uh, across uh, the entire thing. You got to see this uh, footage of down Phil and Samo. Uh, playing in a a dress shirt, a short sleeve <laughs> dress shirt, uh, with Manson's eyes screen printed on the front of the dress shirt. Jesus, that's amazing. I think I've seen that great. footage. It's great. What a choice oh, today. Man. Go look for it. All right, everybody else. Bye bye. I've got pictures to prove it. If you saw them, I'm sure you'd be forced to remember. But we don't have. Happened and swear it never was that way. Even you'll admit when I submit to you, exhibit A. Right.